the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's bring in the one, the only, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you today? Good, Mr. Black. How are you? I'm good. So, uh, kind of getting through my day, so to speak. It's election day, and I've already started thinking about election day. And tell me if I'm crazy. Uh, but you and I have an event coming up that we're here to plug here now. But like propositions, when I see propositions and like bonds for schools, I'm like, ooh, school values go up, or schools get better, and home values go up. Cigarette taxes, I see good for tobacco companies because, well, let's face it, you've, we've taxed more and more and more and more, and people still smoke. Uh, state prescription drugs, I see as positive for like Teva. Marijuana legalization, I see as good for Pepsi because they own Doritos. Right. You're, or Papa you're supposed John's. to laugh at that one. Dominant. Or Papa John's. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, election day in your world, and people are getting pretty emotional. In fact, the market's been reactionary. Kind of had six, seven, eight down days, and then it had a huge day as news broke that Hillary Clinton's emails weren't going to sink her. Um, emotion, it's, it's, I hate my Facebook friends right now because everyone's emotional on this one, this one, this one, this one, and they want to know why, 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 why. How do you stop emotions from jumping into the stock market when we leave the political sphere? Well, first of all, I mean, the the one thing you have to separate is earnings from U.S. economic news because you have to realize that whatever is going on in the United States, I mean, yeah, if, if, if we have a major issue, the rest of the world will, but you also look at some of the companies that you mentioned, like Pepsi, where they get over half of their revenue from overseas. So it's not just a U.S based investing world anymore. Um, it, companies are making money based on the growing middle classes in several different places from India to China or wherever you name it, even though the middle class is struggling here in the U.S. with wage inflation and jobs that will change based on automation. I mean, it's, it's going to change. Um, as an investor, you can still make money in companies that do business around the world. So that's one thing that you always have to separate the economic news and the GDP growth numbers from 
your ability to invest and make money and have stocks that pay dividends. Um, okay. But a lot of people still have trouble with it. Yeah, I know. You know they 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 still can't kind of uh, you know separate the news from from how they feel. Um, but one of the things that might help that we've been successful with when we have a situation where a married couple is very different when it comes to risk tolerance. Um, for example, I had this husband and wife, and, and the wife was actually very aggressive, and the husband was really conservative. He was about 10 years older, so he was much more conservative. Usually when we're doing investment planning for a household, we do household asset allocation and location. So the accounts on their own might look odd, but when they're all together as a puzzle, they look like a perfect you know, pie chart of the right asset allocation. But in this case, we had to separate assets out and say, okay, this is your money, uh, Mr. Smith. This is money that you guys are going to use um, midterm in retirement. So for the first 20 years of retirement, it's going to be very conservative and safe, whereas this money, this, this account is for when your wife outlives you by 10 to 20 years in most cases. It has to be aggressive. It has to be able to accumulate and do well over time because you're not going to touch it for 25 years. And the ability for them to realize that that amount of money they're not going to touch for 25 plus years because they have this other amount that they're going to live off in the near term, that actually helped them sleep better and come to an agreement in terms of what their asset allocation was. Because when you're retired, it feels like you're going to spend everything. You know, you, you're, you're, every dollar is up for, for grabs in terms of spending next year. And it feels a little bit scary to stop getting a paycheck and then live off of that portfolio. So, staying with that concept, you know, um, do you think people kind of understand how emotional they are? And do you think, um, or do you think people just, I guess sometimes I'm emotional because I think I'm right. And do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's that? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it, it changes based on what's going on in the economy. I mean, the risk tolerance that somebody might have taken and scored, and you can do a free one on our website, the what is your risk number at yep. uh, chadburton.com. Um, we have to... We, ha- we, do, we redo those at least every two years because people, their risk tolerance changed based on what they just went through in the economy or what they're going okay. through currently. And so it, it's usually fairly close in the end, but um, it, it will change. And you really have to engage in the planning process to determine what it takes for your financial plan to be successful. What rate of return do you have to get in order to ever retire versus you know the aggressive end and the very conservative end? And a lot of times when people see that, if they grasp too conservatively, they're never going to retire, um, and then they might need maybe 6% to be successful, and they're going for 8 or 9 in their portfolio, and they don't have the risk tolerance. They don't need to be that aggressive. Um, so the, you've got to ask questions. You've got to make sure you understand your portfolio, understand the strategy for each account, and continue to ask questions of your advisor if you have one, because the more you understand, the more you're going to be comfortable with how you're allocated. So we're starting to run a little bit out of time, so let's get a quick plug-in automatically for one of our events. We're doing two events coming up Thursday the 17th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge in Palo Alto, of course. One's in the morning from 11 to uh, 1, and it's going to include lunch. So come at 11. We'll do lunch at 11.30, and then we'll talk about some of the retirement issues, 10 pillars of retirement income, dividend stocks, reducing risks. Uh, tax reduction strategies, much, much more. That's 11 to 1. Sign up at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. 
And event number two is from 6.30 to 8.30. So we're cutting that down from three hours to two hours to kind of make it more laser-focused, designed for people who are in retirement, retirement and wealth planning. I'm going to go over some dividend ideas as well. You can sign up for either event at chadburton.com. Now back to you, Chad. Um, what about people who are fearful? You know, the big market corrections. We've seen them in our lifetime. The millennials, they've changed the way they invest because they've seen them. Um, how do we approach the tech correction or the 2008-2009 uh, banking crisis? Um, how do we approach this without like getting fearful and freaked out? Well, I mean, you said it on the tech correction. That was tech correction. That was people investing in companies that didn't even have earnings okay. yet. The NASDAQ is much different than it was back then. So that was a one-asset class. People overweighted in it. And real estate, small-cap value, and other asset classes, balanced, just balanced mutual funds did great during that, you know, kind of run up and, and run down. Um, but we do have a large correction every five to seven years of around the 20% range. And we've seen it in rolling kind of asset classes, one lately like healthcare. In terms of what happened in the Great Recession when it was a big over-leveraging of debt, um, balance sheets of corporations are much different when they were in 2006. And, and there's a lot more cash on balance sheets and people being a lot more careful. So you still have to have that idea of a rebalancing strategy in retirement where you have the three years worth of portfolio draws in cash and then your dividends and interest can make that cash last five to seven years to get through those issues. Because as long as you don't sell at the bottom that we've learned twice in these big corrections, you're going to be okay. You just can't have to sell at the bottom to put food on the table. What you want to be able to do is have cash on the sidelines to be able to buy when those things happen and then you'll be very wealthy five years to, to ten years later. In 10 seconds or less, any thoughts on dividends? Yeah, any, anything in terms of dividends or passive income like paid off real estate and retirement or, or a bunch of stocks that continue to increase their dividends regardless of what the current stock market is doing, having that passive income makes you feel really good at night. You doing a live show today? I am, yep, 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, people can call Chad Burton today at 2 o'clock here on AM 1220, KDOW 800-516-1220. Come out to our events live, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. The 10 Pillars of Retirement Income and Dividend Stocks in the Morning. It's a lunch event. I've never done one of those. Sign up at ChadBurton.com. It's from 11 to 1. In the evening, from 6.30 to 8.30, I'm Rob Black. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Black talking money, investing, and more. It's obviously election time. Some funny marijuana quotes or some quotes about marijuana. When you smoke herb, it reveals you to yourself. The great Bob Marley once said that. 
Uh, Willie Nelson once said, the biggest killer on the planet is stress, and I still think the best medicine has always been cannabis to fight stress. Um, Steve Martin, who everyone loves. I used to smoke marijuana, but I'll tell you something. I would only smoke it in the late evening on occasionally the early evening, but usually the late evening or the mid-evening, just the early evening, mid-evening, and late evening. Occasionally early afternoon, early mid-afternoon, or perhaps late mid-afternoon, or sometimes the early, mid-late, early morning, but never at dusk. So marijuana is on the initiative this year. Is um, A lot of states are voting on it. And what's interesting about that is... Um, I know you're saying, tie this back into politics. Let's see, do that black. Um, I could do it. What's interesting is, Pete, when you talk about marijuana, it tends to be kind of a liberal issue. And the people that are going to vote, not, not the people that are going to vote today, but it happens that you'll get more liberal invest, uh, voters out today. In 2016, polling has been a tremendous topic of discussion. Who's going to show up for the polls? How many Latinos will turn out? What their age will be? What percentage of independents? How many women will go to the polls? Um, but one of the things that people haven't really figured out or haven't really counted on is some states like California, Massachusetts have ballot measures uh, that are tied towards uh, marijuana, Maine, Arizona, Nevada as well. So it's going to get some more liberal voters out. What do you think about that? So the proposals that are out there right now, to me, I see bonds are good for schools. Good schools are good for housing. Um, cigarette tax, I think healthcare companies, tobacco companies, uh, like Philip Morris, maybe not Altria. Straight prescription drugs, you know, we want um, generics. Um, Teva is a play there. Uh, there's Prop 67, which is banned on single-use plastic bags. There's a company called Nina Paper and Clearwater Paper. Um, so there's investments tied towards paper. Anyway, with that being said, let's bring in Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com and see if we can't get his views on what's going on in the world of real estate and housing. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Rob, the biggest mistakes I've made financially are things that I didn't do. Like, I could have got a second home, or I could have got a vacation home, but I'm like, man, I'm going to get a new car this year. Or I'm going to go on a nice vacation, spend that extra money there instead of putting it down. Um, we work with quite a – I kind of get the idea of what you're saying. People do procrastinate, and they do take the easy route. Uh, fortunately, most of the people who contact us are pretty eager to do some sort of transaction. And, and so I'm surrounded by pretty proactive people. Okay. Um, so I don't get to see the, the people who are sitting on the sidelines and mulling about whether or not they should have bought a house or not and whether they missed out and whether they're ever going to buy a house again or whether or not they can afford or how, how they're going to get their credit fixed. So it's pretty proactive what we see on our end, and, and it's pretty uplifting. I've got two uh, family members. Um, they're married to each other. That She lost a job, and he basically hasn't been able to find the right fit for him. And it's been a year and a half. His procrastination... His little vacation, his little time off has turned into procrastinations, which turned into he's going to work till he dies. And it happens that kind of fast. You can't take two years off when you're living on $5,000, $6,000 a month rent. You just can't do it. It's a killer. So I see procrastination that turns literally from something innocent into something life-changing and devastating. So I highly recommend people don't procrastinate. Yeah, and... Uh Going back to what you you said earlier, you talked about the pressure of buying a house. Yep. Um, 
you know, if you're if you don't if you can't afford a house and you're sacrificing retirement to to buy a house, um, I I wouldn't want you to feel the pressure, and I don't want you to feel like you're procrastinating because right. there's many other ways that you can fund your retirement. It's all about retiring with 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 money, um, and being I guess that's the whole you know uh, definition of retiring is that we can retire. I wish I would have put more money into my retirement accounts. I wish I would put yeah. more money into a vacation rental. Um, I wish I would have done this. I wish, I, and all that starts back to is having a plan. Yep. And what we were talking about earlier in the hour, where if you're 25 years old and you're in love with your sweetie, and you can't afford a house in San Mateo, but you could afford an apartment, that's okay. Or a condo, you meant, I think. Or, or condo, condo. Or whatever. Um, consider going to Tahoe and buying a home. Now, your home in Tahoe, you're going to rent out, and it may be 400000 but it's affordable versus a million dollars, or 600000 or $700,000. Um, and it may go up in value in your whole life to $450,000. It may not move that much, right? but you don't have to buy where you live. People need to think a little more outside the yeah. box sometimes. The, the one thing we do get is uh, you know, a group of people who are, are proactive about what they want to do, but they haven't prepared. Okay. Um, and, and almost anywhere you go to where it says, hey, how do you buy a house? What do you do to prepare? It says, you know, start early, start saving money, get serious about the transaction and about the down payment. Start researching what type of loans and qualifications. And you look at your job history. When I got my first house, uh, I knew that I needed two years of commission income. And I, I told my boss, I'm quitting in two years. And the reason was because I got two years of income. I was able to buy my house and boom. Um, we bought the house and we were able to, you know, change and, you know, customize our life based on, you know, that, that heavy decision that we, you know, made two years earlier. Uh, and a lot of people that contact us are, are just aren't ready uh, and they haven't mentally made that decision and, and commitment to uh, working towards saving that money and, and fixing their credit and fixing their income. And then once you buy that house, yes, it, it can, things can fall into place. And you will. You were talking earlier about how oh, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage is a lot of pressure. But you, you once you make that commitment and you get into it, a lot of people find ways to make ends meet. Like your guy that lives in that. Nine, you know, nine by four unit. He's making four, nine by four and a half. Four, sorry, four and a half. <laughs> He's making a sacrifice. The extra four, four and a half square feet makes a difference, huh? You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. He recently did a loan for me. Really good guy. Gets to know you. Gets to know your situation. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. That's RobBlackShow.com. Don't forget, I got an event always coming up, uh, one coming up on the 17th of November. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. It's going to be a two di- two events in one day, one lunch event, one evening event. Show me if you want me to do more lunch events by signing up at robblackshow.com. It's in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Sign up at robblackshow.com.
Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I kind of love, hate the political season. I was talking to a friend slash neighbor who uh, we're talking about the soda tax and one cent on soda. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? And it's like, sounds great. Let's stop childhood obesity. And I said, how about we start taxing 40% on beef and 20% on milk so we can, you know, help climate control and climate taxes would save, you know, millions and millions of lives in your lifetime. And he basically said, I hate you. <laughs> Turned away and walked around. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, who hopefully doesn't hate me. Um, but uh, political season does bring up emotions, and it brings up a lot of arguments, uh, mathematical arguments. If you tax soda, why not tax meat, right? Hey, Mr. Rob. O'Hare? Yeah. Hey, how hey, are you? Rob, how are you? So, yeah, um, I, I agree with you uh, in that uh, I'm not a big fan of not only just political seasons, but, but really politics in general these days. So uh, we don't have to be in a, a campaign season to uh, uh, to not enjoy our, our political environment these days. <laughs> so a lot going on. Um, obviously, we're going to get maybe an answer in the next 24 hours, hopefully. If there's no answer, if this gets contested, does the market throw a fit and go into a correction? Yeah, well, it certainly will throw a fit, um, it, you know, in terms of it falling into a full-blown correction, which, you know, I know there's various definitions of what that means. The popular, uh, generally accepted definition is a 10%, you know, pullback from a prior high. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know if we get, get that far into it, but uh, it would certainly be a very disruptive uh, element if uh, if there was a contested election here. Okay. Um, what are you expecting from the markets? Because it seems like the markets are saying we want Hillary because when over the weekend when she got cleared of her email mess, um, the markets skyrocketed. Yeah, you know, I, I think you know as a as a market analyst, I, I take a step back and, and you know look at things there and in terms of just how the market's behaving, and, and we do it really uh, with the best intentions of not being you know partisan in any any way, shape, or form at briefing.com. But, you know, as a market analyst, you could tell clearly in yesterday's response uh, that that the the preferred scenario uh, of Mrs. Clinton being, you know, president as well as being joined with a um, a GOP-controlled Congress, perhaps in both houses, but at least in one house, uh, is the preferred outcome for the market. Uh, you know, it's going to ultimately lead to uh, this notion of political gridlock, which, uh, again, pretty much means that it will be very difficult to get anything meaningful done from a legislative sense. And Wall Street seems to enjoy that, that idea, you know, uh, as opposed to there being a, a party sweep in the executive and legislative branches that can bring in, potentially usher in some, some meaningful uh, new legislation. Uh, Wall Street's not so comfortable with that notion uh, because it does introduce a new element of uncertainty there, whereas if it's got political gridlock, uh, it knows that there isn't a whole lot that's going to get done. And so uh, things then just resort back probably you know, to trading more so on some of these fundamental drivers like earnings and interest rates. Um, so, uh, so that's clearly what the preferred outcome is. Um, and, uh, and I think what we saw really in, in the scope of Monday's rally is that 
there's potential for some extreme fallout if Wall Street doesn't get what it wants. You know, so uh, you know we won't know if Wall Street's going to get what it wants until you know later tonight, perhaps early tomorrow morning. So, do you buy into the notion that, for instance, if Hillary wins, or let's look at like maybe a proposition where the prescription drugs are, you know, um, paid attention to on the state level? Do you buy into the notion of? well, maybe that would be good for generic drugs, and maybe I should throw some extra money in the next four years there. Or um, if someone's talking about improving our infrastructure and our roads, maybe dropping some money into those kind of stocks. Or if someone's talking about marijuana, maybe you throw some money into Papa John's and uh, Pizza Hut. It sounds like a joke, but a lot of people, do th- they do look for that kind of investment. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. And I think it's it, it's all part of the... The pie, for lack of a better term. I mean, there's, you know, you're going to see knee-jerk trading responses uh, coming out of this election. And there will be some takeaways, such as the ones you just mentioned, that could drive, you know, related stock prices up or down, you know, based on on a knee-jerk response to whatever, you know, maybe some referendum passed or didn't pass or, you know, based on what, you know, who got elected president and who didn't get elected president. You know, um, but politics is one one part of the uh, of the pie, you know, but the the complete pie is made up of, of more than just politics. You know, it it relates to it's formed from what's going on in the economy, what's going on with the earnings, what's going on with interest rates, and all of that is is still going to be there. You know, no matter what happens with this election, those are some important elements that will not be uh, you know overlooked. And so. Really, from our vantage point, you know, I think that there's potential here for some near-term volatility, both to the upside or the downside, coming out of the election. But, um, but I think absent a, a a party sweep in both the White House and both houses of Congress, you know, I do think really the market just settles back in and, and gets, you know, and reorients itself around these these fundamental drivers of prices. And, you know, I would add that. Even though we saw the strong rally yesterday on this idea that, you know, maybe Hillary would be elected president and you get that uh, political gridlock with the GOP controlling one, if not both, houses of Congress, you know, the S&P 500 is trading at a level today that is, um, you know, it's slightly less than where it was trading at before that first presidential debate. Right? And I bring that point up because what it suggests to me, really, is that the market itself, um, I think, in the grand scheme of things, looks at this election, and, and that either suggests it isn't entirely comfortable with what the conventional political wisdom is suggesting, uh, how this out, how this election might turn out, or or that perhaps it really doesn't think anything really positive necessarily will come out of this election uh, as it relates to the real economy. Um, so you have a market that's been going sideways here for months. Uh, and it's interesting to me that you've had some really decent earnings growth here being reported out of the third quarter, uh, and yet the market, you know, just can't get its act together, um, you know, despite that. So, so there's an election overhang here, um, but I don't think the, the market itself is wildly optimistic about uh, what's coming on the other side of the election, no matter who's president. Should we stop talking about the election, or can I squeeze one more in? Facebook, Twitter, Google, they seem to be playing an important role in the election. Uh, they're kind of new media stocks. A lot of people are turning to them for 
content, whether it's good or bad. Obama has not slammed Facebook, but he said there's a lot of fake stories there. Um, do you like the 21st century news plays that are uh, the Facebooks, the Googles, and the Twitters? Because, I mean, look at Trump. Most of his stories were tied towards Trump tweeting in the middle of the night. He's mad about something. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a product of the times, right? It's not going away. And I think uh, ultimately each individual voter has to decide for themselves, you know, what they're going to read on those social media platforms and what they're going to believe. Um, there's a wealth of information out there. Not all of it is accurate, um, uh, but there's certainly plenty of it. And, you know, it really is just going to boil down to, you know, individual mindset. And, and I think, you know, really when it comes to this particular election where you have two presidential candidates that, you know, pretty much, you know, certainly don't like each other um, and which who have created plenty of divisiveness on both sides. You know, I think a lot of voters already have their mind made up anyway prior to all of the scandals and, and all of the investigations and, and whatnot. Um, but, um, you know, but the social media platform is, is, I think, an important dynamic here just for our society. I mean, it's not going away, and it's, it's creating a lot of debate, a lot of spirited debate. Uh, and I think it's probably pulling in, you know, more people uh, to vote than might have been the case had the social media platform not been in existence at this juncture. Let's turn the page now and talk about something that Briefing.com also talks about other than politics, um, the markets. Uh, CVS Health is in the news today. They kind of dropped a bomb um, on expectations of retail prescriptions. That sector has been decimated in the last six, 30 to 60 days, Do you, probably because of Hillary Clinton. Do you look at that as a buying opportunity, or, is, again, is that out of your vision, per se? Yeah, no, well, no, you know, I mean, like, the demographics uh, are certainly in favor of the healthcare sector. You know, there's, there's little argument over that. And, you know, when you look at a warning like we got out of CVS Health today, you know, I, I do see that as, a, as an opportunity, you know, for a value-based investor to, you know, take advantage of, a, of the fallout in, a, in an industry leader like CVS Health. I mean, it's still extremely profitable. It will adjust to these changing industry dynamics. Um, and as it does, I mean, you want to be affiliated with industry leaders. Uh, they have the, the balance sheet to handle it. Um, they have the innovative capabilities to, to win from this, I think. And, uh, you know, and this stock is down almost 30% really from its high in May. Uh, and so in the context of a market that looks stretched otherwise, uh, you know, CVS Health stands out as, as a nice, Thanks. you know, long-term idea perhaps given this warning we've seen. It's Patrick O'Hare. He's awesome. I appreciate him. He works with Briefing.com. I read his page one every day. I read his big picture every Friday. Uh, good stuff at Briefing.com, well beyond just Patrick O'Hare. Talented staff that really looks at the markets on an independent, domestic, and international level. I was young and an actress When you knelt by my mattress And asked for my hand I was sad You asked it As I laid in a black dress With my father in a cast I had no plans Yeah Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now 
back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. But I was late for this, late for that, late for the love of my life, and when I die, when I I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Thanks for listening to the show, and thanks for supporting the show. Obviously, talking a lot of elections on a day where it's election day. <laughs> am I right or am I wrong? Um, and some people just hate talking politics. People are so divided over it. Guess what? Two populist figures rose to power this year. One of them was Bernie Sanders. And one of them was Donald Trump. They weren't political powerhouses. But they rose to power. And I think that's going to forever change our political landscape going forward. Um, a lot of use of media that was both wrong and right. If you take a look at it. Uh, President Obama talked about fake news and on Facebook. A recent investigation found that 38% of posts shared from three large right-wing politic pages on Facebook included false and misleading, misleading information. And three left-wing pages did the same nearly 20% of the time. So the right-wing seemed to embellish a little bit more. Well, quite a bit more, 38% versus 20%. But how many of us know friends that all they did was fight with each other on Facebook? Um, I saw a lot of that going on. I saw a lot of it. And two people who would probably go to a hockey game together and enjoy each other's companies, uh, just bitter, nasty, bitter, nasty, calling each other names. Like, that's why you're so stupid. (laughs) I love it. So, um, other stories out there today of note, and I think there are some. Uh, gun control measures are expected to win in four states, and opinion polls show that after gun safety advocates poured a massive amount of money into the backing of the initiatives in Maine and Nevada, residents will vote on whether to mandate universal background checks for firearm sales, including private handgun transactions. If those two measures pass, half of Americans would live in states that have expanded checks. 18 states and Washington, D.C. have already approved similar laws. And I think we all, you know, the the investment story there is, I keep going back to Newton. And after the the tragedy there with, you know, small children, uh, kindergarten and first graders killed. Um, I keep going, we need more gun control measures to stop people from getting guns and to ask questions like, hey, why are you picking up this gun? We need more of it just to stop mentally hurt people from uh, hurting innocent people. So, you know, uh, when you're in kindergarten and first grade, you've got best friends that you think are going to be your best friends forever. And they won't. But you lose best friends that you thought were going to be best friends forever with senseless violence. Um, You know, someone asked me, do I like soda taxes? I don't like any taxes, to be quite honest. I don't like any new taxes. I think we got enough taxes. I think we need to figure out what we're doing with the money that's coming in. And instead of saying, you're too stupid... We're to tell your kid not to drink sugar water. We're going to do it for you by by taxing you more. 
and it's going to hurt low-income people. High-income people, you know, it's like the whole pharmaceutical story that I do. Just go in and buy Tylenol. You typically have a brand name like Tylenol, you typic or Claritin, or um, Dimetap. You typically have a high school education, but when you go in and buy the Walmart version or the Walgreens version or the CVS generic version, you typically have a college education. So college-educated people are able to figure out the generic's just as good as the branded. And I see, I see that with taxes as well, with soda taxes. Like, we're taxing soda? Okay, I get it. But why not tax meat and milk? That would lead to, you know, vital cuts in carbon emission, as well as saving half a million lives a year via healthier diets. Surcharges of 40% on beef and 20% on milk would account for the damage their production causes people via climate change. Uh, those taxes would then deter people from consuming as much of these foods, reducing emissions and illness. You know, red meat's bad. It's Red meat's not good for you. Red meat will cause cancer. Uh, cows, they uh, release methane that takes away our, our, our um, air and greenhouse, pr- uh, promote uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Pushes a little global warming. So anyway, why not tax meat? 40%. So your hamburger that costs 10 bucks just costs 14 bucks. Um... Anyway, do you see where we're going as a nation when you start saying, oh, the soda tax is just one cent? Well, we did that with cigarettes. We tax what are called cents. Beer, cigarettes, well, I guess soda is now a cent, right? When's it going to be meat and dairy? Um, Google made it incredibly easy to find where to go vote today. There's three things you can do at Google. Um, There's a Google Doodle, which will lead you to where you need to go. There's a button on the right-hand corner. Um, that'll tell you where to go to vote, or you can just type, where do I vote in 2016? And that'll tell you where to go to vote. So you see how all this is kind of like coming together, and some of it's tech and some of it's not. Um, a rise in populist fervor. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, they ran on opposite sides of the populist fence even. You know, one a billionaire businessman trying to get the government off people's backs, and the other a renegade Democrat socialist looking to rid the system of big money's corrupting influence. Um, I think that's going to be a big theme in four years again, a big theme in eight years, a big theme in 12 years. Don't forget, I got an event coming up on the 17th of November in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. It's two events. One's a lunchtime for retirees. It's talking about income and retirement. One is the evening at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto at 630, and that's tied towards um, heading towards retirement, wealth preservation, retirement planning. A little bit bigger picture, morning once a little bit more bullet shot into income and dividends in retirement. Sign up at that event for that event at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.